All right. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Jim Goss. And we are here with Mike Isotel. Welcome back to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And today we're going to do a little bit of a different uh, style podcast. We're going to shoot some rapid fire questions at Mike and get his uh, response. So first up, Mike, what is the latest in hypertrophy research? Where's the research going? Well, a lot of different places, but one of the interesting ones that's caught my attention is the um, relationship between range of motion and hypertrophy. Um, and basically, like, is it a good idea to train through a full range of motion? Is it a good idea to train at the top end range? Is it a good idea to train a deep stretch? And we really do need uh, more research. And I know that, <laughs> that that's a very banal statement they make at the end of every single article I've written. More further research is needed on creatine and female soccer players. That's not true. But uh, we did all the research on creatine we'd ever want. But, um, you know, for range of motion, there have been a few studies that have suggested that applying a lot of tension at the deep stretch is more hypertrophic then even doing full range of motion. If that pans out, that'd be very exciting because then we could uh, significantly modify many of our exercise recommendations. But I will say real quick, as I'm sort of reporting from the interpretation side of the research, we have to be very careful about how we interpret this because it could apply to some muscles and not others. You know, so for example, we had one study on leg extensions to show the bottom end is better than the top end or full run. But we can't just go, you know, we could surmise that, you know, maybe for the triceps and other muscles of function, a similar way to quads, that could also be the case. But we don't want to go saying stuff like that about like the hamstrings and the biceps and different other muscles. We'd have to have a few more studies to really confirm that, oh, actually, this is the case for maybe all muscles or maybe just some kind of muscles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Very thorough response uh, to that. And I'll be keen to see where the research goes. Another one for you, Mike. What's one thing you've changed your mind on in the past 12, 24 months? I've never been wrong, so <laughs> I don't know what Wait, you're talking I about. We were, I thought we were speaking to Mike Isotel, not Law McDonald. Ooh, I'm not actually allowed to talk about that, man. <laughs> That's right. He talks about you enough to, to cover both of those bases. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I'll just be completely frank. He, he sent a Renaissance periodization a, um, a message of legal warning that if I, I ever I, to... I figured when you said you can't talk about that, man okay oh i see okay well and then then, then that's all i'll say yeah <laughs> um so what have i changed my mind on fuck i don't really i keep a running tab of what i know not a running tab of because my, my opinions generally tend to be quite fluid as pertains to the combination of research and experience so i don't really i don't keep a tab on like what do i believe in strongly and then when it's ripped away from me i'm like no and it's like an event that i really remember um you know I, i'll say i think i've tempered my um, I think I've tempered my um, opinions on two things. One, the necessity of very high protein quality. Uh, I think that you can get away with eating a lot of pretty low quality proteins or just some high quality proteins and still get super jacked. I used to be more on the most proteins have to be super high quality end. Um, and another thing is the training frequency research and hypertrophy uh, is not as clear as I thought it once was. I think higher frequencies are still better if you can recover from them in the short term. But I'm not so inclined to believe that, you know, training a muscle four times a week is better than three times. Um, maybe training the muscle uh, twice a week is, is almost certainly better than once a week. Three times maybe better than two times. But I think at that point, it gets more muddy than I would have been, uh, than I would have previously preferred to, to see. Jackson, I can see you uh, probably have a question there. Anything you want to ask on that? No. No? Okay. 
Well, that was easy. Uh, all right. I got, right. I, I, got, I got questions, but nothing on that. Okay, we'll go. Your turn. Hit him up. All right. Mike, recent deaths in bodybuilding. Should something be done and can something be done? Yeah, so I've planned to say on this. Um, so one, it's not, it's, it's by no means clear to me that these deaths uh, account for a statistical abnormality that we have to explain with any novel mechanisms. Um, it's very easy to remember deaths. It is very difficult to remember non-deaths. Uh, I am not, uh, I don't have any data and I, I bet almost no one has any data on what the base rate of deaths is in bodybuilding, especially as a ratio of age, as a ratio of body size, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now that social media is more and more prolific than ever, we just know about more deaths than otherwise, you know, like you would maybe read a flex magazine, maybe not, um, you would never catch it. So, so there is absolutely a possibility that deaths in bodybuilding at the higher levels are increasing in frequency. I'm just not willing um, to put my hat on that peg. I'm just not sure if that's the case. Um, to the extent that anything can be done about it. I mean, some of the deaths don't really have anything to do with bodybuilding. There was one death, I think today or yesterday that was reported, it was like a female figure competitor and she had died and someone's like, this needs to stop. And someone commented like, dude, I'm pretty sure she died in like a car accident or something. What the hell is wrong with you? And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, they just assumed it was of course steroids. Um, uh, that being said, what to be done about it. Uh, I'm not, I'm not uh, I'll say this in a, as charitable way as I can, so my view is some combination of the following. I'm not entirely sure what can be done about it. I mean, uh, steroids are already illegal. So um, we could see the IFB change its judging standards to reward freakiness less. The downside of that is it becomes more of a genetics competition. Um, and, and, and so I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Um, and, and the other thing I'll say is this is going to sound really harsh. And it is harsh. It's a harsh take. But I, I promise that if anyone pushes back on this, I can defend my position with with some sympathy and empathy, um, you know, you, 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 you roll the dice, you play the game, you, you, you deal with cards that you're dealt. Like, you know, you weigh 280, you have chronic high blood pressure, you didn't do shit about it forever, and then you die. You're grown up, you know, Boston Lloyd comes to mind. Yeah. The, the guy made a, um, a lifestyle brand out of taking the most gear possible, not like as much gear as it takes, it's like just a lot of gear. It's like, you know, if you were building a rocket, you're like how much rocket fuel is it gonna take us to get to the moon, now that's a fine question, but his was like, how much rocket fuel can we put into a rocket and maybe have it also blow up? And then blew up. So when people are like, oh, Boston Lloyd, like what a tragedy. I'm like, you know, certainly death is always bad, but is, is a tragedy? I don't know, it's a rather predictable event, I would say. So, uh, you know, so, some of the people that are, you know, I have a little bit more inside information I'm, I'm not uh, allowed to share about some of the other deaths. and. Some of them are very tragic and, and seemingly spontaneous, and, and, and that's terrible. Some of the other deaths, the, I can't speak on specifics, uh, certainly not on live recording. But uh, I know some background that's just like, yeah, it was coming. Like, it was lots and lots of signs over and over and over that were ignored. And uh, ta-da. So, you know, granted, I'm in the same boat as a lot of these people. Like, I, was, I just took some videos. I was, you know, 243 pounds at 5'6", 37 years old. I could fucking croak tomorrow. Uh, and if I do, please let this recording out. Like I fucking played the cards that I dealt myself and I am very, very, if I die tomorrow, I die very accomplished and a happy man. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it comes down to personal choice and there's, there's nobody, there is no funnel. There is no like, like if there was like a Chinese system of athletic like funneling where it's like kids are made to bodybuild and they're dying, that would be fucking terrible. But Jesus, I mean, there's, 
I would say this is beyond voluntary. Like bodybuilding is actively a pain in the ass. Nobody likes to do steroids. They do this anyway. And, and when they croak, you know, like, hey, listen, again, death is really bad. But also like these people could stop any fucking time. There was not a single person that does bodybuilding to support themselves. Not a single one. You personal train to support yourself. You know what I'm saying? You do OnlyFans to support yourself. But Jacob, in your case. Um, um, but, uh, but that's just because you're really good looking. And why would you do so waiting for you to subscribe, Mike. Yes. Well, I, I, I'm on like the free site, the, uh, the Russian free site that gets me the shit hacked. Um, but uh, Jackson think that's jo that joke is really hilarious. I bet he's got all sorts of OnlyFans stories for us. But uh, in any case, uh, you, know, you know, when someone finds a joke way too funny, you're like, tell us more about OnlyFans. Like, oh, that's, I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't even know what that is. But in any case, like you don't have to bodybuild. You don't have to pump yourself full of drugs. If you do it, like it's like deaths in, in, in race car driving. Like, yes, with all the safety mechanisms, we should be looking at other than that it's like the car fucking goes 250 miles an hour i know harsh take harsh take. so mike just on the boston lawyer situation so you're saying how you do personal training to support yourself only fans to support yourself you like as you mentioned he made like a lifestyle brand out of taking a lot of gear like that was why people used to follow him and he would have made quite a bit of money to support himself and i know he had i was it two kids i think he had um pretty sure he had kids he kids anyway. yeah at least um, one yeah but I've, yeah, at least one but i know um so like it is part of like their sort of revenue, like I guess ability to generate revenue is taking all these drugs. Like what do you think uh, people can do when they're getting into say steroids to make sure that they're doing things as safely as possible? I know you've talked about this at length, but give us a breakdown of like PED use for beginners and people just starting out 101. Like what's the best approach? Yeah, the first thing you have to understand these are very powerful drugs that you don't ever have to take. So. You, you go into this with a, a lot of reverence. It's not like going into the, like your GNC or vitamin shop and just fucking getting creatine and you start taking it. And your mom yells at you and you shut up, mom, you slam your door. Like this isn't real shit. It can fucking kill you. It can destroy your health. It can destroy your, um, certainly your temporary psychology. It makes me fucking miserable. Um, so just reverence is the first thing you can have. Like, you know, one does not simply, you know, like it's all just take some steroids. Don't do that. Like do your research, really understand if it's worth it. Uh, there's an amazing natural powerlifting and bodybuilding scene developing in almost every nation on earth. Like nowadays, like I get probably more flack for being fucking juiced to the gills than I get like support for it. So, and that's a good thing. Like, uh, so the first thing is don't fucking do it or at least have very good reasons to do it. Second thing is, is uh, those, educate Mike? yourself. So Mike, what would be those reasons where you would be like, okay, I think this is like, obviously anyone can do whatever the fuck they want. Like who yeah, yeah. would tell them anything, but what would be your reasons for someone to, to jump ship? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like, oh. Similar reason to climbing Mount Everest. You look up and you, you see the clouds and you know, there's a peak beyond it. And you're just like, Ooh, God damn it. I just want to go up there. And people like people die up there. And you're like, I know, but fuck like my soul, like this is Vegeta, like literally Vegeta reasons. Like, I don't know. Well, Jackson knows this scene almost certainly by heart, by heart, but like Vegeta lost to like a fucking ant. This is super fucking lame. Sorry, nerd moment. But he like got his arm broken by an Android. He was, he had just ascended to this new level of super Saiyan. He thought it was amazing, un unstoppable. He got his arm broken by a woman Android. I don't know how that works, but in any case, female presenting Android. And uh, <laughs> does she actually have relevant female parts? Who knows? So hopefully, right. That'd be fun. Pretty much so, Western society these days. <laughs> all right. There you go. So, uh, so in any case, like, uh, you know, he's all he did was like he stood at the top of a cliff for like two days straight and he stared off and he he knew there had to be a level beyond that he, he couldn't end here. And of course, he was right. And he went to this crazy time chamber thing and he ascended to the next level. And he didn't even fight that android because that android is running away from a guy he beat up like with his left hand. So if you have that, like, just just 
just looking into, into the void and going, fuck, I really want it. After like 10 years of natural training, if you still feel like that and you're willing to accept all the risks, then go to it. But there's no other really good reason to do it. Like, I mean, I don't know. You say, like, oh, what if you're a good soccer player and you have to do steroids to be good at professional soccer? Well, like if you're not a good soccer player, you can just go be a, a physio or whatever, or just coach soccer and make plenty of money and be a happy person living in England. But if you go play pro soccer, you get like $40 million a year. You don't have to make fucking $40 million a year. So there's no sympathy for those people whatsoever. People making $40 million a year don't deserve anyone's sympathy uh, by a long shot. So in any case, like, you know, there's no need to do it. And if there's a desire, you put in the work, lay down the groundwork, get educated, seek out folks like Broderick Chavez, Joe Jeffrey, guys that really know their shit, and they can introduce you to the safer use model. And that is understanding all the relevant factors, understanding what drugs are less bad than others, understanding how to scale your dosages of like, I start very low and I get the results that I get. And then if I need more results and I'm willing and comfortable with the trade-offs, I scale up by small linear increments, not like, oh, 500 milligrams worked. I'm going to go to three and a half grams and see if I can just blow up into the fucking sun. That's not a good idea. Uh, uh, other quick things, monitor your blood pressure and do whatever it is pharmacologically required to keep it low. People say, I don't want to take blood pressure drugs. You stupid motherfucker, you take bathtub trend from powder made in China, but you're not willing to take a fifth generation blood pressure drug that's made by scientists in Amsterdam and has a corporate seal on it. it like take all the blood pressure meds you need to keep the blood pressure very fucking low. Um, do not take anti-estrogens either at all or for extremely limited amounts of time. Guys run anti-estrogens year round and anti-estrogens are killer, killer, killer things. They fuck up your cardiovascular health a ton. And, uh, you know, don't get needlessly big in the off season. Like right now I'm in off season mode and I have like abs and veins and that's how it's going to be. I could blow up and eat a ton, get to 270 or whatever. I've done that before and it was fucking stupid. So don't get super fat. Don't get needlessly big, um, get blood work done regularly and, um, get in a safer use model using drugs, like a base of testosterone layering, saying something like Primo on top of it. But yeah. You, you take Primo. It's not going to be like fucking DECA. You're not going to balloon up and you're not going to feel aggressive and super sexual, even though you can't get erections, DECA dick, that's neither here nor there, but Primo is not going to feel like a whole lot, but you're just like slowly make gains. I remember the first time I ever consulted with Broderick Chavez, he laid out his sort of like hypothetical plan for me. And he was like very, very, like very careful, too careful to make sure to say like, now, now this isn't going to just slap a bunch of weight on you. It's just going to be building muscle over the long term. And I was like, Broderick, like, why the fuck would I want a bunch of weight on me at once? He's like, well, tons of guys I consult with, like if they don't see 20 pounds in two weeks, they just get rid of me. And I was like, those guys are fucking idiots. Please don't put me in the same category. So just understand that these things take time. When you get into peptides, insulin growth hormone, again, all the same things apply. Take the least uh, amount of dose you can, get your nutrition sorted properly, stay in touch with the doctor, have a coach. And, and also understand that maybe try a few coaches because uh, one of the coaches you have may be telling you to do certain things that they say, look, man, you want to fucking be a pro bodybuilder. You got to take this much. You go to another coach and he's like, mm -mm -mm, I don't have, you don't, this is way too much. They lower your doses. You grow a little slower, but you stay alive for 25 years longer and you still win all the same shows just a year later. You know, like that, uh, that's, uh, I could say a lot more, but I think that's I really, I really like start. that. Samuel, you got a question? Yeah, I do. Uh, Mike, obviously we spoke about COVID just a little bit before. So I wanted to know what are the biggest changes you've seen in the fitness industry following COVID? <laughs> so the first thing that comes to mind is like, like left-wing social justice warriors seem to get more oh, insane wow. and then alt-right Trump-tard trolls also more insane. Like, I just think the Trump-tard trolls. Left Say what? Right, right. Deal with the trolls. The trolls are fine. 
the trolls are fine. You're on that. Yeah. Let's say they're, they're fine until you meet them in real life. I'm just kidding. They never leave. They don't basement. You'll never see them. They don't exist in real life. They're all Russian bots. So um, am I a Russian bot? Maybe a lot of Android references. I am nominally Russian. Who knows? Um, it is looking extra big and like alien like. So I don't know, man. Stop <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I got I got a weird fucking head and face. I actually saw a picture. I thought you were um, say you have a weird fetish. I was like, oh, tell me more. Oh, no, no, it's not a weird fetish. It's many, many weird Fetish. fetishes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, like Jackson's on the call. Let's not get him started. Um, he's like, well, fetishes? Wait, now? We talk about this now? Like, Hold on. I have 25 more questions. And they're not going to be short answer either. Um, <laughs> right. Um, you know, to be completely honest, I don't know how much COVID has changed the fitness industry. Certainly in the United States, not a lot. Um, I think uh, some people switch to online coaching from in-person personal training, but uh, you know, I haven't seen a, a really huge change um, to be completely honest. Uh, the thing is that the people most susceptible to COVID um, and the people most uh, scared and sometimes rightfully of COVID um, were the very same people that have the tiniest little intersection with the fitness industry. Um, so yeah, that's the deal. It, it, I've, I've seen no big movement of an increase in fitness being that, you know, like one of the big determining factors in how your COVID response went with like the degree to which you are fit or unfit, unfit people hope COVID hit way harder. I haven't seen any kind of national trend in the United States to where people are like, well, if COVID happens again, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to get fit. Like it's, it's all same, same. So uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm curious now if you guys, I know you guys are the interviewers on this podcast. So apologies if I'm overstepping, but what has been your perception of the Australian fitness community? It's changed uh, quite a bit. Huh. Yeah. Uh, how exactly? Go Jackson. I think that we are at the start of a lull. So I think in Australia and probably internationally a little bit, this evidence-based movement that sort of came about has put us in a position where the we people are consuming evidence-based content and studies, research things, infographics faster than new studies can come out. Like I think back to like my diet break study, which took two and a half years to basically from like planning to get it published. And people are just jamming through things quickly. And I feel like there's potentially some sort of like bottleneck effect mm -hmm. here now where it's like, yeah, that we would still have all the scientists in the labs doing their thing, but I think there might be a gap before we've got these like big new things coming on. Like I think of like these things that have been like universally adopted in the fitness industry somewhat. Like we, we had sort of like flexible dieting first that came on and then we had of like RAR training was quite new and that was like universally adopted by a lot. And then we had like refeeds and diet breaks, this intermittent dieting thing. And now it's like, what, what's, what's, next? what's next? And I can't, I don't have a good answer. Um, it doesn't feel like there's anything really hot at the moment. Um, so I'm interested to see where the fitness industry does move over the next 12 to 24 months, because I know how long research fucking takes and people can't just be banging out studies like rapid fire, like people do when they're scrolling through PubMed and just reading conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I think also in Melbourne specifically, Mike, to speak to your question, we have had obviously the harshest lockdowns in the world. So I think we're a very extreme case when it comes to, oh, what's the fitness industry, you know, looking like post COVID kind of thing. Um, but in Melbourne, basically what you had when we were all in lockdown was a lot of coaches and people buying home gyms and setting up home gyms. So the gym economy has somewhat shifted. People have gyms at home, so they're less likely to 
go back to the gym, pay their membership. PTs, uh, you know, who are working in the city weren't allowed to work in the city. A lot of people have sort of moved back out in the suburbs, right? Because it's expensive as you go towards the city. So you've got less personal trainers in the city, more in the suburbs out further. So competition goes up um, as you go out further from the city. There's been a heap of changes like that. Um, and a lot of coaches are now working from home as well. Um, personal training out of their garage, stuff like that, because they don't, they built their home gym during COVID because they were forced to, because we had nearly, uh, you know, two years without a gym. So they built a gym. Um, so they're not going to the, you know, local good life to pay their uh, rent as a subcontractor, take their clients there. Um, so we've seen like a lot of sort of turbulence in how just, I guess, the fitness industry as personal trainers, where people train, uh, where they're operating and all that kind of stuff. We've had a lot of, uh, I guess, movement there. Um, but it seems to, you know, settle down. Like there's a lot of people as well who have bought home gyms, trained there during COVID, and they're just not going to train at their home gym anymore because they yeah. love the We have a lot stuff. of that here in the States too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, there's been some movement there. But otherwise, yeah, Melbourne's an extreme sort of case. We have streets still that are like just ghost towns. You know, oh, man. yeah, there's like a lot of the uh, like retail outlets in the city, um, you know, the shops have just shut down. Uh, we were just talking early. I was downstairs with uh, some colleagues and clients that were talking about a Mexican restaurant. It was like, they just keep bringing out food or you can eat kind of thing. Um, and he pulled it up and it just said permanently closed. You know, he went there like a year and a half ago, like that kind of stuff. Um, it's just like, yeah, rampant in Melbourne. But anyway. Samuel, any other questions for Mike while you're at it? Yeah, Mike, what's next for you? Training, competing, what's on the horizon in the next six, 12 months? Personally, Personally. or professionally? Or both? Um, both. Well, uh, I'm uh, in the next 12 months basically doing mass gaining phases with some mini cuts thrown in between. Uh, and then I plan to compete, not this coming July, but next July. Um, and I, uh, basically like a master's national event. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, I was like 217 pounds on stage last time, this time, hopefully I'll be closer to like 225 on stage or something to that effect. That'd be really neat. Um, and I'm, I'm quite excited for it. Um, but gee, I might as well say this. I'm, um, I'm really, really fucking tired of, of using steroids. I'm so fucking tired of it that like I have a few more goals left in bodybuilding, maybe a few years left and I'm quitting that shit. I'm going to lose a ton of weight. I'm going to be so much happier. Oh, I, took a, I took a little break overhead. from, say that again. Your career on the grand. Yes, my, my illustrious bodybuilding career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, you know, it's just like I took uh, I took an active rest a little while back and I took all my doses down to TRT. I could like feel emotions again and, and like see beauty. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> uh, my life could be so much better. My, my mental clarity was like obscenely higher. Um, just this fucking blows, dude. Gear sucks. Anyone who's like, oh, I'm going to take gear. Like, no, you don't. You think you do. Uh, and maybe you do, but not for long. So, yeah. So hopefully, you know, I'm basically like, I think I'm like in my uh, in my tail end of my bodybuilding career, which, you know, if I said at any other time in my uh, training history, uh, I would be very sad. 
but I'm I'm ready to do what I have to do to put my sword into the ground, and, and that's it. So uh, I'm not even upset about it. I think it's, it's kind of cool. Um, what about the accomplished? Do you feel like you've you've achieved what you set out to in bodybuilding? I, I never actually uh, set out to do anything in bodybuilding. I just yeah. loved doing it so much that the shit just happened. Um, and like I, I uh, got to be on stage. So so I took second at Masters USA's in the super heavyweights, weighing only 217. I was the leanest guy in the class, probably one of the leanest, if not the leanest guys in the show. And like, gee, that's pretty cool, man. Like, it's a big deal. Um, you know, and so I, you know, I had stride at everything and that's kind of neat. So, you know, I, I kind of like, I always just wanted to be really big and jacked and lean. Um, and I wanted to be able to be a, fit, a fitness authority that was not mentally ill <laughs> uh, or knew some things, but also had the physique to back it up. And I, I think I probably did that already. I don't know. It's, at least as far as I can tell, I think I'm pretty good. Like, is there very few people can be like, why would you listen to that nerd? He's not jacked. You'd be like, who are you fucking mind? <laughs> like, you're pretty fucking jacked. So as far as that's concerned, uh, that's great. Um, I've only had one bodybuilding show, which is my last one, in which I really came in in the kind of shape that I wanted to, but I think I can push it further. So I'd like a few more shows to really like dial in like nasty conditioning and like a bit more size. That would be neat. And other than that, I have, um, I have nothing more to give to the sport or take from it. Um, hey, you know, um, Greg Doucette has shown that if once you retire from the sport, you can be well, very successful on fitness YouTube. As a matter of fact, when he was an avid competitor, he was like, completely unknown. Um, so, you know, and, and it's, it's almost every fitness YouTuber is not really known for being ultra, like, you know, Nick Walker, super jacked, not exactly a YouTuber, you know what I mean? So, so can I just now confirm that, that Greg Dowsett is like your idol post bodybuilding career? I would call him a mentor and a best friend, like, like a father figure, but like, uh, in a creepy way, like, like, uh, like a, a Catholic father figure, like holding hands, <laughs> walking to church kind of thing. Not just hands, Jacob, okay. not just hands, right. but we hold parts of each other. What would you do differently? For a long like, time. What would you do differently if you went back over your career besides trying to keep some semblance of hair? What would you do? I would I would get rid of all my hair. I hate my fucking hair. If I never had to shave my head again, it would be the best. Um, what would I do differently? I would seek coaching consultation about anabolics way before I actually did. I spent many years spinning my wheels and destroying my health before I ever met Broderick. Uh, and now I work with Roderick and Joe Jeffrey, and it's great, 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 great. I would just uh, have to stop that out earlier. Um, when I started taking gear and getting serious about bodybuilding, I was mostly around powerlifters and gee whiz, you know, <laughs> the total amount of knowing what the fuck to do with gears is very low. And when I would consider reaching out to coaches, I would have conversations with them or I would read things, watch videos of podcasts. And I was like, these people are like 10 standard deviations of IQ below me. I can't entrust anything to them. And then I, and then I met Roderick and I was like, Oh, you're smart. <laughs> it's cool. You're not a total fucking idiot. It's amazing. So I would, I would like, uh, you know, I would, I would find Roderick earlier, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, that's probably my biggest thing I would do differently. What about professionally? What, if you could go back, like, are there, are there things that you would be like, Oh, I'd do that differently. I could I'd, you know, rather do this than, that is there anything professionally that you look back on and think uh yeah wouldn't mind uh doing it differently next time yeah. if i had that choice i would start app development one decade before i actually did <laughs> yeah yeah because it takes a long time it does it does how's that all going <laughs> um so best answer our our <laughs> Our engineers are brilliant people that work their fingers to the bone. But as I like to say sometimes, coding is difficult and complicated 
and it takes a long time and oftentimes a lot longer than you might expect. Uh, I know that on the consumer side of things, where we see updates to apps, it's what you know the developers call automagical. It just happens and it works. You're like, oh my God, this is great. Yeah, and then people are like, get an app that does this. And you're like, do you have any idea the profundity of knowledge it takes to make one of these things? And so as far as ideas on what kind of apps to make and what kind of features for the apps to have and modifications, I'm like probably five years ahead of our engineers because my job is easy. I just come up with ideas and put them into mathematical language, which is not that hard. Actually coding the shit, testing it, coding it, testing it, coding it, that's fucking brutal. And that takes a long time. So I'm in this perennially frustrated mode where like if I have ideas that outrun the engineers by enough time, I'm just like, well, I, you get like, I don't even want to come up with any new ideas because there's just more ideas in the pile of things that'll never get done. However, that being said, slowly but steadily, the RP Diet app is improving and we have other shit in the works that I can't talk about, of course, blah, blah, blah. And that's all going to be really, really cool unless somebody beats us to the punch and does it first. And then I'll just stab myself in the dick a bunch. And um, I just try to focus on what I can focus on, which is supporting the engineers in any way they can be supported, uh, giving them very fast clarity on the ideas that I've given them as far as architecture. And also I just try to promote RP in any way that I can, which uh, YouTube, you know, apparently I'm like a, like a growing mini YouTube celebrity. Um, and when I see Jackson, I, I grow a little more, if, if you know what I mean, <laughs> a tiny bit more, not because Jackson's unattractive, it's because there's only, I've just not, God so didn't I'm decide so to. <laughs> in yeah. any case, YouTube's yeah. going super well. And that's really cool because I, I can really like, my uh, videographer, Scott and I, we just fucking, we have a fucking pace, man. We're like six months ahead on filming. So like, if I croak tomorrow, you guys will get six months of YouTube still, maybe more, <laughs> uh, which is nice. So in any case, like um, I'm just cranking that and, and trying to kind of um, really popularize evidence-based uh, fitness, uh, you know, and be like, you know, like, like a way worse person at it than Jeff Nippard. Uh, you know. <laughs> like a bastardized uglier version of jeff who by the way is incredibly handsome <laughs> yeah very good jackson you got any other questions for him yeah so let's say that you've just opened michael's laboratory unlimited funding unlimited equipment um access to anything you need participants um lab hands what are you testing in what questions are you answering in training and nutrition if you uh, I'd like to answer some fundamental questions that are as yet unclear. Um, range of motion, exercise selection differences, free weights versus cables versus machines versus et cetera, because we have some inklings and we have to use kind of heuristics uh, to fill in the blanks. But I'd like to have those questions, this is so fundamental, just be solved. Um, questions of rep ranges for hypertrophy. I would actually just work on the super basic science for a while because I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of having hints from like, oh, five studies say this, like I want 30 studies or each study to have a thousand subjects and really be able to show some shit. So I'd definitely get on that. Um, I would also like to get into studies that are multifactorial. So for example, you'll have a study that says, okay, three times a week training is better than two. Okay, fine. You'll have another study that says two reps in reserve training is better than going to failure. Fine. But if you are training two reps in reserve, maybe training four times a week is better than three or three times is better than two because you're not pushing it to failure all the time. But if you train it a failure and we say, well, it's not as good as training 
you know, two IR, what if we reduce the volume or the frequency of that training to failure group? Would the results be the same? We don't really know that yet. And there's, you know, in the real world, it's all multifactorial. You don't just go in there and just do some weird study design. You do an actual training program. I'd like to see how all the variables interplay. So we have a really good connected web of like, well, if you increase the volume, make sure to do this. We know that from, again, like experiential knowledge, but I'd like some laboratory confirmation and direction on exactly where the boundary layers are. Because then we can really say people, hey, we really don't go to failure because it's really always a bad idea. The stimulus to fatigue ratio is always bad. Or because actually going to failure is pretty good as long as you just keep the volumes low, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's what people really miss when they're interpreting a lot of this research is that each variable is inextricably related. And then they're just like looking at each variable in a vacuum, trying to say, oh, high volume. You know, you can only do this much volume. It's like, well, it depends how fucking hard you train. It depends how often you train, like, there's so much uh, interplay there. That's, uh, I guess, something that I'd like to see as well. Very, uh, yeah, well said, Mike. Samuel, other questions for Mike? How's Crystal? Hmm? How's Crystal? Angry. Always angry. With the you? Filipinas, they're... Uh... She doesn't seem like someone who would get angry at all, but I guess Instagram is... Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Is she, is she an angry person? Uh, I would love yeah. to see a hand come out of the side of the screen and just Damn. like Crystal is very civil and she's very kind. But if she becomes oh, upset, yeah, it's like Broly from Dragon Ball Z. And I'm like that her dad basically, where like she like scars my eye out of my fucking <laughs> yeah, face. Yeah, you, have to press the you have to press the button. What I'm saying, and it always breaks and she turns at me and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> um yeah. To be honest, the the shocker thing is on me and I press my own button. <laughs> but uh in any case, yeah, Crystal's good. Uh she is working on some really cool projects. She's probably gonna get a little bit into um she finished all her insane fellowships and stuff and she's like all accredited up the ass. So she's going to be getting into maybe some uh, developing some content for sports medicine um, to like, you know, tell lifters how to know sports medicine at its basics. Like, for example, like if you like hear a pop or a snap or a crackle or you like are seem like to be hurt in the gym, we've all been there. Like, do you go to the hospital? Do you go to an urgent care? Do you rest, ice and elevate? Do you just do nothing and warm up again and see if it works? But like, depending on what the symptoms are, there are some very good answers to that. And most of them, most people, including myself, just fucking have no idea. It's like, if you guys ever like hurt yourself a little bit and you go to the fucking, I don't know how the medicine works in Australia, but like in the US, you go to the ER. <laughs> right, exactly, right, socialized. So like, oh yeah, you have care, <laughs> good luck. Um, no, like, so in the US, you go to the emergency room and there's, you know, they never turn you away. They always treat you, but you could sit there for two hours. Cause you know, there's a triage system. Like there's people, <laughs> I went to the hospital once in Philadelphia and I was like, Hey, like, what are we looking at? And they're like, well, like four gunshot wound victims just came in. So and I was like, Oh, I guess my tummy ache doesn't really qualify me to go in front of them. Woo, Philly. <laughs> but uh, like one guy was shot in the head and he still showed up to the hospital. So, oh, you know, like if you, if you like hurt your ankle, uh, do you go to the hospital and piss away like six hours for a doctor to be like, yeah, just rest it for a week. Like, fuck. Why the fuck was I here? Or, you know, you can Google stuff, but that's tough. But maybe a sports med doctor can give you like a little bit of a flow chart to be like, if it's this, 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 go to the hospital. If it's this, this, that, just do this. Uh, maybe Crystal can work on something like that, which would be really, really neat. I think. That's really cool. What's, your, what's the worst injury you've ever experienced, Mike? Me personally? Yeah. Besides I, a very sore it, ego when Greg Dowster destroyed you on that debate. <laughs> That's never recovered. 
Uh, I thought you were going to say saw something else when Jackson something else. Yeah, I saw Jackson like get really excited there when we were talking about four things. <laughs> I told him he didn't make me sore, but I was miserable for weeks. It was worth it. It was so worth it. No lube. Team no lube. See, yeah. I feel like Jackson would get off knowing that you were you were sore. You know? <laughs> he did too much. He likes it's, it too it's much. The whole domination. You know? Get his ego too big. Yeah. So... Um, what the fuck was it? Were we talking about? I don't about? even know what I asked. Worst <laughs> oh. <First> injury. Worst <laughs> injury. Yeah, no, that's that's my answer. Um, so probably my worst injury is I got hurt in jujitsu, um, and uh, it was a neck injury, and it's to this day I can't go to a bar and sit on a bar stool. And people like laugh at the YouTube videos. Even right now, I'm like a little bit reclined when I sit. If I sit upright. I get like shooting pain down my arm and I can't feel my arm because there's some bullshit wrong with my fucking neck. And if it never hurts in jujitsu, uh, unless people do very specific things, which I'm quite adept at either tapping to or avoiding, uh, it never hurts in training, but it, like it took months and months and months for me to even have not, like I would sleep in a certain way and I'd wake up and my arm was on fire and I'm like, Oh my God, it was awful, awful, awful. That's probably the worst injury or second worst. Um, I had a herniated, uh, disc before uh, from squatting and squatting wrong. Uh, and uh, that was really intense pain. I needed pain medicine for that. I couldn't get out of bed for a few days. I rehabbed it myself and it's fine. Now it never presents me with any kind of symptoms, but that injury definitely made me reconsider my technique and really um, refocus to me that like, hey, I'm trying to train for hypertrophy. Let's not do anything needlessly stupid. Let's put tension on the muscle. Let's get not into a mechanically advantageous position to lift the most weight, but into a position that exposes the muscle to the most tension in the proper range of motion. So in the end, I learned a lot, at least from one of the injuries. The other one, fuck if I know what the hell hurt my neck. I don't even remember how it happened. Yeah, some, some injuries you can definitely learn a lot from. Uh, on that note, Mike, provide uh, the listeners some nuance or at least some clarity with the whole Oh, your technique doesn't matter. The body self-organizes. You're fine versus the, you know, the squat university crowd where it's like, oh, every little part of uh, the way you perform a movement is critical. And if you don't perform correctly, you're going to hurt yourself. When it comes to technique, obviously there's the two sort of camps that exist now where it's like your body's fine. It's robust, resilient. You'll adapt versus your fragile little fucking snowflake. You've got to be you know, perfectly, uh, you know, balanced and do everything anatomically correct. Otherwise you'll get hurt what is the uh the actual situation and i guess some balanced perspective that that you possess thank you so much for that question it's a great question um you know i will say each, uh, i have uh, quite a low patience for insane extremism um, and any side of any issue as extremism is cool if it has a good point and, and makes some some good changes but extremism seemingly for its own sake is just annoying because it leads a lot of people who could be led better quite astray um uh so the people that says the body self-organizes and you're fine and technique doesn't matter they're largely correct but not entirely correct like there are absolutely fundamentals of technique that if you follow you can decrease your probability of injury i had a debate on uh, omar isuf's channel with uh those folks from barbell medicine that's i thought the debate went quite fine in my favor i don't know it's not a versus it's just a discussion but uh, I remember that uh, I think Jordan Feigenbaum and, and company, their definition of pain was identical to my definition of fear. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I was like, you know, the pain's actually when you, you're hurt, you don't have to be perceiving anything as far as, oh, I think this will hurt me. You, you can get hurt when you're not perceiving shit. 
So I was like, wow, holy fuck. Like we have very, very different definitions. And, and I suspect, I of course suspect mine are correct and, and theirs are not. But um, it was one of these things where I didn't even feel like we were speaking the same language anymore. Uh, and I presented actually a pretty good body of literature on that uh, podcast that like quite predictably uh, Highland Games and Strongman people get hurt more than powerlifters and powerlifters get hurt more than oh, bodybuilders. Right. It's not fucking rocket science. Like bodybuilding is a more stable, it's more predicted. Uh, powerlifting is heavier and less predictable and strongman, Jesus Christ, like you're, you know, the implement moves one way and your fucking whole body collapses. So to that end, there are things you can do in the gym using less of a, a ballistic techniques, uh, making sure to take good body positions, not exposing your spine to a significant amount of force at flexion, especially if you're not used to it, um, and easing into movements and a couple of things you can do that marginally reduce the already low, but more reduce those injury risks. Um, uh, so, so that's definitely a thing. So like you're self-organized and all that bullshit, like, sweet, just do whatever the fuck you want. Well, it doesn't work like that. You, you can get hurt in the gym and there are some fundamental ways to get hurt less often. On the other hand, the whole crowd of like, yeah, I think my fucking tib fib anterior tibial is fired up and that caused lateral rotation of my delt and that's why my head hurts. Like that's just actually bordering on like like schizophrenic mental illness, as far it, as it, I can it's tell. OCD. It's like fucking obsessive compulsive. It's really no, fucking like yes. And, and in these yeah. these two groups attract each other. They, oh, sorry, they, they attract the kind of crowds they attract for a reason. I will say, um, it, I will say to, to cut Jordan Feigenbaum and his crew some slack because I have a, a lot of respect for those guys. We have our disagreements, of course, but fundamentally like the great, great guys. Um, I think that people in the psycho, if I move my knee one centimeter, I'm going to fucking cause an explosion of a volcano in, in Bali and then Jackson and his friends will suffer. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, the friends, not the friends. So, um, so in any case, uh, you know, those people probably stand to benefit a lot from consuming some barbell medicine or barbell medicine style literature of like, dude, you're not going to fucking break into peace and shut out. the fuck up. However, I would say that the barbell medicine folks probably stand to gain almost nothing consuming psychotic, paranoid quote unquote literature of people who think you're going to break into pieces if you don't squat properly or like somehow you're going to accumulate a massive injury or completely unnoticeable over the years you're doing everything seemingly right and then finally your vertebrae shoots out and fucking busts a light across the room because you all those little imperfections added up like which sounds like mental illness <laughs> i suspect it actually is um so there's, well, a, there's well, a good middle ground there shoots out and you you lights go out that's when jackson appears so if you want to find jackson in a room you just turn the lights mm. That's right. That's my, he never comes well, alone. I do my best work in the darkness. <laughs> my, my man. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so in any case, uh, yeah, I think that like, you know, and, and there's, there's absolutely something to call out. Uh, there's like a fallacy is basically called like the middle ground fallacy. It's not necessarily true that the truth is in the middle. If you look at like, you know, all the countries of the world and how they run their economies, um, you know, we've got like North Korea on the one hand and actually like Australia on the other hand is one of the most free economies in the world. It's not correct to say like, well, I think like Russia, cause it's kind of in between the two or China is the best way. Like, no, 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 no. Actually it's all extreme Australia, Switzerland, New Zealand, that's actually the best way to run an economy, not anywhere close. So it's absolutely not apparent that it has to be the truth is in the middle. But in this case, I think the truth is probably tilted like 70% towards the barbell medicine guys. But I think they're a bit of an extreme end. I, I would say that I would take issue with some of the things that they say. So no, your body does not, you know, largely self-organize. I think you have to learn good technique. But once you learn good and proper technique, which is super fucking basic and not that complicated, then you are in a position to minimize injury risk to the extent 
that you can. And everything else about injuries comes down to genetics and fatigue management. And those are huge things that those like psycho, I got to squat like this or like that people hardly ever talk about. Like, you know, doing 10 sets of 10, three times a week, it doesn't fucking matter what your technique is. You will fucking get crushed and your knees will fly out. But if you manage your loads and volumes really well, then you can, you can be quite safe just doing very basic technique. And I will say, this is super fucked up. Somebody has got to say it. People don't say politically incorrect shit enough. And I'm, I'll take the hit for saying this. Go for mine. Um, people are just genetically fragile as fuck and they get hurt doing the right shit. They get hurt doing the wrong shit. I'm sure you guys have had clients like that before. You're like, holy fuck shit. You're like made out of glass. That shit is real. And a lot of these people surf in the YouTube and Reddit community trying to figure out how the fuck their training is supposed to work. And they have these realizations like, oh, I'm too paranoid. And they get in the barbell medicine crowd and then they get hurt and they go, oh, that fucked me up. I need to go to like, you know, get all my physios and chiropractors to fucking figure me out and say, there's actually no right answers for you. The right answer for you is genetic engineering. And it's hopefully going to come in 10 to 15 years. You just frail as fuck. And that shit just happens. And then you got power lifters, dumb motherfuckers, strong men don't know anything round back deadlifts their whole life. And they never get hurt. Cause they're just fucking hardy assholes. Uh, this shit is real sometimes, you know? And that is like the most accurate statement. Like I say, like Jacob is like legit. I call it dumb strong where it's like, you could be like injured. There's like no rhyme or reason. You put a weight on the bar and they'll just go and yeah, I'll try and lift it. They won't break. They won't, nothing happens. And then you have other people who it's like, you build them up, do all the seemingly right things. And they'll like hurt themselves. They'll pull up and they're like, Oh yeah, I can't straighten my arms today. It's like, Oh, all right. Well, yeah. Uh, Sam, I've got it. I've got one uh, uh, very related for you. Even before you build them up, you start practicing basic movement patterns with minimum load. And they're like, my knees hurt. And you're like, how? <laughs> like my elbows hurt. You're like, why is doing this? Or like, it hurts. So like, oh my God. Like, and, and the thing is, some of that absolutely to barbell medicine's credit is psychosocial and all that bullshit, right? Some of it is they're legit fucking hurt is their joints are fucking made of paper. And that shit happens. Those are real people. And oftentimes they're very talented, very um, wealthy, very successful, very great people like corporate lawyers and accountants. And they come to you for personal training and they're like, I've never been an athlete in my life, but I'm going to get healthy. And you're like, here we go. And you have them do a few deadlifts. And like, ow. And you're like, oh, fuck. Like, uh, I, I, maybe nobody can get you in shape. I don't know. I think what frustrated me, Mike, with uh, that whole situation was that people seem to conflate the whole, oh, technique doesn't matter with technique doesn't matter for hypertrophy. And I, I, I at least saw some people uh, start really? to, will start to think, oh, your technique matters less uh, because, you, you know, as long as you get in the positions, everything sort of takes care of itself, da, 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 da. And I did see like some people start to conflate the two um, sort of ideas that our oh, technique's less important generally speaking for injury risk and then also all oh, hypertrophy as long as you sort of go through the range of motion you still get a stimulus that kind of stuff what do you think uh on that there's obviously in my opinion huge differences but do you want to speak to that quickly yeah sure i mean like so but there's there's one of those things where people definitely take that shit too far um there is that technique paranoia and hypertrophy like we run um a forum this is a subsidiary of rp called uh, team full rom myself jared, jared and charlie we're on a forum and we answer a bunch of questions about technique and every now and again tons of people in the forum on, on, on facebook they uh, post the videos of them doing the various techniques and they'll be like what do you guys think about my stiff legged deadlift like, it feels off and we're like that is the best stiff legged deadlift i've ever seen on video and they're like are you sure like well look man I, mine look worse than that and it seems to work and i can't I, i've been coaching people for i don't even know how long i can't tell you there's anything wrong with stiff legged deadlift and they're like okay, I just, I just want to make, I just want to make sure. I'm like, I honestly think you're fucking paranoid. There's absolutely that whole thing. 
Uh, and they're like, I, I don't know if I feel this in the quads. Like, motherfucker, your quads are there. They're about to blow up. And they're like, yeah, but I don't know if it's the right feeling. Okay, maybe, maybe you have some work to do and my muscle connection, but maybe you're going insane. But on the other hand, yeah, there's ways where you can hit the positions seemingly externally. You're doing okay. And the muscle's not being nearly as stimulated as it could be. Perfect example is squatting. You can be the kind of person that actually hits the bottom position all the way full and your knees come forward at the bottom and everything. And then in order to squat, you, you barely use your quads a little bit to get out of the hole and you fucking just good morning the rest of it. And they can even seem externally like you're using your quads, but you're not really using mostly glutes and hamstrings and erectors. And then all of a sudden you can squat a ton and you're like, man, I never feel this on my quads. If someone like Jared Feather works with you to actually get your squat to be quad emphasis, he just tells you a couple things. You do one set and you're like, oh my fucking God, my quads are on fire. Who's going to tell you that that shit didn't work? Like why well, I definitely get a way bigger pump, way bigger mind muscle connection, way bigger tension in the quads, huge burn. And then two days later, your quads get sore for the first time in three months. Who the fuck's going to tell you technique doesn't matter. Technique matters. If you're feeling, if you're getting great pumps, great soreness, great tension, et cetera, and your packs, quads, whatever, then you're fucking golden. And don't worry about it. As long as the technique is safe and repeatable, you're fine. If you're having trouble stimulating the muscle and feeling the muscle, there is a very good chance that some technical insights that are a little bit more than just do this can help you. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's of course the people that are like, I don't think I feel this in the chest. Like you, I can literally see your chest fucking moving. You're fucking totally fine. You're going insane. And, and there's, so there's that again, a little, little bit of the middle ground, but I think the middle ground is, especially as you get more advanced and stronger, that middle ground is not middle ground. It's like 70 or 80% towards the side of like technique matters. Uh, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mike, thank you very much for your time. You are always a pleasure to chat to. We hope that everything is uh, going to uh, kick ass in the world of RP in the future. Guys, any other questions you want to ask before we round things out for this episode? Not for me. Oh, wait. Um, yeah, I got one. I got a quick one. Have you seen Attack on Titan? Um. Yes, I, I watched one episode with James Hoffman, and I, I watched a monster uh, throw a horse across the uh, uh, grasslands, and the horse exploded summarily. And then I also watched a man be eaten alive, and I, I decided I don't want nightmares for us in my life, and I absolutely stopped watching that total incel garbage. I'm sorry, folks. My anime starts with DBZ and ends with... <laughs> The sword art online. <laughs> that's, that's it. Not bad. I, that's not bad. I, I'm just kidding. I, I watch a few animes here and there. Uh, honestly, guys, I'm a straight fucking bitch. And Attack on Titan was too much. Too much. Too much. There's another one. Uh, I don't know if you guys get the show. Uh, I'm sure you do. The um, the guy with the Omni the Omni Man with the fucking the mustache. It's, it's, um, it's not anime. Um, in any case, it's like the show about superheroes. And, and this guy. he like this guy is like super speed man and he's fighting him and this guy crushes his head very slowly and he's like at some point he can't even like do like the extensor reflex is gone so he's just hitting him like this and i was like i never want to see anything like that in my life ever again and when like when i'm on gear specifically all that violent shit like hits me much harder than normal like oh my fucking god like no hell no sorry that that, that was a long answer <laughs> I don't want to know anything about Attack. I don't want to know anything. I've actually seen the first episode of Attack on Titan, so I know exactly what Mike's talking about. And I was like, "What the fuck? I don't watch. I don't watch it." I was like, "What the fuck is this?" You, you, guys got, you guys gotta let it marinate for a little while. Fuck that, dude! This is gonna destroy my brain. I don't want nightmares. I already have a bunch. <laughs> Jackson, what was your question, man? Um, 
something that some I saw on social media when I was walking here um, got me thinking. So true or false, Mike, the wellness division, a category for thick chicks who don't want to diet too hard. Ooh. Uh, so right. yeah, uh, yes, the, the head mm -hmm. of our physique, uh, competitive physique division at RP, Jared Feather, coaches a number of wellness uh, 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 females and um, in a completely different context, not coaching related, has relations with other wellness females. And um, I will say that's what I thought. And I was like, yo, this is about to be the best division of any sport ever. Bitches off the chain, dummy thick. No, these bitches out there have striated glutes. And I was like, what in the God's name? I thought like, oh yeah, this is great. It's gonna be super healthy. It's probably still pretty healthy, but like these girls are shredded to the fucking bone. So very false. And look, if it, if it was true, I wouldn't be like, oh, like it's girls that don't you know, diet too hard. I'd be like, these are the objectively hottest women of all time. Shut up and enjoy the division, God damn it. That's like saying Frank Zane's legs weren't big enough. Okay, he was just the perfect human. Get out of here. Yeah. I don't know, Jackson, I mean, do you disagree with that? <laughs> no, like, like I, I, I have a similar um, perspective with you because you look at the top five at Olympia just gone and they are peeled. Like they oh are God. like one of the leanest female categories up there. Um, but I think what, I think down on the lower levels, like amateurs, girls that want to compete for their first couple of times, they, uh, they've been telling all their girlfriends like that they got that, that massive booty and those guys um, when in reality, it's it's a whole bunch of fat, and if you, if they got true true contest lean, and um, it would it'd be and Jackson. What is so potato. wrong with that? You got a problem no. with lower body fat on females? <laughs> Trust, I got no issues with that. <laughs> no issues, <laughs> but. <laughs> I feel like we're, and, we're, gonna, we're gonna get slammed either way for if, uh, if, if, if we if if they wanted to put on a category with a whole bunch of Kim Kardashians up there, I'd be front row, you know. But um, I think there is a, I guess, potentially a misunderstanding from the pro ranks to the amateur ranks in what the division's supposed to be like, and they don't really understand that the girls at the top are fucking peeled and awesome, and it's not just it, it doesn't like just because you got a pair body shape doesn't mean that you can walk on and do a wellness show you gotta have but that it does mean like you get aspects to but it, if like they want to get up there get go for it and um if you if you have a pear-shaped body anything is possible i say personally <laughs> uh I, you are you're saying girl hello at, at the very least hello and, and potentially much more than that uh, i'm a married man so i i, I have uh you know that's uh, also to a pear-shaped female. <laughs> Jesus, I got painted myself in a corner. But in any case, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, uh, there's potential for like a social media distortion there where like um, some amateur girl with just like a fat ass is hot as fuck. could be like wellness competitor. And you're like, yeah, competitor, sure. And when people see that, they're like, oh yeah, like I'm trained by a wellness champion. Like, no, no, competitor, not champion. Not at all champion. Here's the champion. And they're like, holy shit, that woman actually works out. Like, that's right. It's not just ass selfies and bodyweight lunges, which again, I have absolutely no problem with at all. Like, brilliant way to uh, wrap up this episode. That was fantastic. See you guys later when we're canceled. <laughs> yeah, when we're canceled. Again, number two for you guys. Thank you very much. Up on your Instagram. Uh, yeah, Mike, we uh, always love chatting to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. We'll speak to you next time. Guys, you know where to find Mike. Go support him and RP. Uh, they do great work uh, for anyone looking to improve their understanding of all things fitness or physique. And we'll chat to you all next time.
Hey guys.